0: these waves are gonna be huge. Okay, be here now, be here now, be here now. Because it wasn't true, There's, there, it wasn't even, we're not even lined up to jump into the water and we're having these thoughts about the possibility of big waves. So you can get yourself all worked up on this or you can take back your power and find calm by easing the mind with a shift in focus on something that's happening right now and not indulging in every single thought. So it was a restless night and let me just say every most often the night before a race it's going to be restless. So I'm already you know, banking on that. So I get plenty of sleep in the days leading up. Good quality sleep. So it wasn't, that never touched my mind that I would not get enough sleep. It was like what kind of indulgence am I really focusing on and how can I not let it expand any further than, than it has. When you're in the race, and you
1: feel that you're suffering enough, or you're, you know, you're suffering as hard as you can suffer, is that is that the physical or is that the mental? So, a lot of times, the body can go a lot farther and harder, but it's the mind holding the body back. So, you know, it goes to that mindset and the experience. Like BJ's saying, go out and have an experience. You know, if you don't feel that you're you're racing to your potential, then, you know, go out there and leave it on the line. See how far you can get before you blow up.
2: Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm your host today, and I'm sitting here in my living room with also slash yoga studio, right? Dining room. Uh, (laughs) Dining room slash meditation space. Uh, multi-purpose room. Uh, I'm sitting here with Yogi Triathlete coaches BJ and Daniel, aka vegan-powered athlete, or as he was referred to when he crossed the line last weekend at Ironman 70.3 Texas. He is a vegan-powered athlete. We love that. On Just in stadium lighting over the loudspeaker, we love it so much. All right, so... Daniel is not the only one who raced last weekend. Beech threw down a great performance at Ironman 70.3 Oceanside, and both of these dudes walked away with world championship qualifications to race in St. George next fall for 70.3 world champs. So pretty psyched for these guys. Um, I had a knowing going into it that they were both going to qualify, but you like to keep that hush-hush because you don't want to put any pressure on them, but I had a feeling that something really great was going to happen. And it did, and I'm so excited for them. So I'm going to start with you, Beach, just overall. How did it go?
0: Yeah, super. Well, first of all, I, just congratulations to Daniel. Like, amazing, amazing, his first qualification for a world championships. And, um, and we're going to dive deeper into his experience. But I think it's a long time coming. He works hard, and is dedicated, and is, is, um, has turned his passion into his profession. So uh, he's done a lot of work, um, and it shows up, and we just don't know when that will show up, right? We get attached to time. If we remove time, we uh, we can enjoy this journey a little bit more. So my experience, uh, super pumped. I, you know, you kept asking me, "Am I fit? Am I strong? How do I feel?" I don't think I could have gotten any fitter going into this race. My one goal was to qualify for seventy point three World Championships uh, leading into the spring season here. Um, Hopefully not having to go to another seventy point three to qualify, although I was, you know that was in the back of my mind. I just had a feeling I want to put everything into this uh, into this race. And it's a race I've only done once before and and had a, a challenging day, um, but that flipped this weekend. And uh, overall, just super pumped and happy and satisfied and grateful that uh, my body held up, my mind, Was sharp, and that uh, when I was met with challenges, I was able to to navigate through them um, more quickly than I ever have.
2: Okay, good. And we have a question on that on some uh, the mental side. Which, come on, if anybody's ever listened to this podcast before, they know we're going to dive into the mental game because it's all about the mental game when it comes to race day. Hay is in the barn and. we also want to put that mental hay in the barn as well, which is what we do here. Uh, you know, I, I met one of, uh, Daniel, I met one of uh, Yogi athlete athletes for the first time in person last weekend, Uday, who's one of, who trains under you and... And I was just asking him, you know, how he found us and, and, you know, what drew him to us. And and it was just so spectacular to hear him say that it was just really clear that Yogi Triathlete tackles the mindset from the get-go. And I was like, yes, like, we're getting that message out. That's amazing. So same question for you, Dee. How did it go in Texas?
1: Texas was amazing. I mean, the race was amazing. But yeah, again, congratulations, BJ. Uh, That was an amazing race. (laughs) Um, it was exciting to watch on saturday the um the team out there so it really pumped me up for sunday so i guess maybe that's what um you know helped me help me along on sunday was seeing everybody crush it on saturday but texas was amazing i mean i i went into it um calm but with um some real sense that something big was gonna happen um and so um, I just you know, I just raced my race um and it you know ended up what it ended up, <laughs> which was you know me getting me a slot so um it it was a new experience going there alone, um, I didn't travel with my wife, the dogs, first time flying with my bike, so all new experiences. Um, and I could have gotten way caught up in all of that. Um, but I just, I just set that aside and said, you know, I'm here for one, one mission and I went for it. So, but yeah, I had a great day.
2: Yeah, you did. It was so awesome. Um, and I was thinking you were probably getting pretty pumped up. We have a local Text chain here, and there was a local folks that were, you know, on the course spectating, and then some that were, you know, at home watching the coverage. And there was just a lot of activity on that text chain. It was super fun, and just the support. Uh, I was hoping that you were taking that to fuel, fuel your race on Sunday. Um, so Let's actually jump right into our first question, which is from Corey. And it's about mindset because so you arrived to Texas and you posted this story and the wind was just ripping, ripping. So uh, Corey's question is, what helped you keep your mindset strong when you saw the elements uh, in parentheses, the wind for the race?
1: Um I mean, honestly, it just I just set that aside. It didn't really matter what the wind ended up being on Race Day. Um, it was going to be what it was, and it didn't matter um, how I reacted, And I think that all stems from working on the mind, going into it, um, and just being calm, um, not getting wrapped up in it. It doesn't really matter. Honestly, um, one of my other athletes texts me that about the wind. If the next day, if, if the wind was going to be similar to that that story I posted, and I was like the so the day before, it calmed down a little bit, but then like there's rumors like you're at, at the Ironman Village and people are talking about oh the wind's supposed to come back the next day. I mean even the um, announcers at the Iron Man Village was like, yeah, it's a great day today, but tomorrow the wind's supposed to come back. And it was like, what? <laughs> they're feeding all of this. Like, and it was just like, you know, I didn't even like, look it up on the weather app to see if it was true or not. I was just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm just going to go out there and do my best no matter what. Um, and that just starts with the mind, you know, just practicing you know, training the mind on a daily basis, you know, sitting in meditation and just, you know, working through mantras or whatever, you know. And that's, you know, ultimately what, you know, is going to push you through, whether it's the wind or the body or rain or whatever other elements. It it does, you know, it's how are you going to get through that? And It's all the mindset. And it's, you know, and if you haven't practiced it before the race, It's going to be a challenge for sure.
2: You had said, uh, you know, just I'm going to race my own race. Is that something that's newer for you? Did you, were you in the past, had you been like in that comparison energy going into races? I think in the past,
1: not necessarily comparing, but at the same time, you always have, you know, friends or colleagues around you that you might see you know, qualifying for worlds or or having a better bike split or having a better run, and it's like you know, um, you want to be there, but at the same time, you're your individual. You can't you know you can't be there. So yeah, running my own race or doing my own race, you know, definitely is like I'm not them. I'm me. And then also, um, in the race, a lot of times you get so caught up. Somebody passes you and it's like, oh, I got to go harder, right? I got to keep up with them. I can't let them go. So it's like if you get caught up during the race and going above what your capabilities are, then it's going to end up in a disaster. So um, I just stayed focused. Um, Because of the wind, it was fast going out. So Texas is a very flat course, 27 miles out, 27 miles back, and it's just Basically, you have a tailwind going out, so it's super fast. Um, and then a headwind coming back, which was <laughs> miserable. But um, So, yeah, you just have to, like... I knew coming back, I started getting past a lot. And it was like, I really had to hold back and stick to my plan. I knew if I, like went too hard into that win and just grinded it out just to get to that T2, I was going to suffer on that run. Not to say the run wasn't, I didn't suffer, but (laughs) I definitely would have suffered worse.
2: Were you going, like how were you knowing if you were good? Were you using power? Were you using heart rate? Were you using any kind of data or were you going on feel?
1: I was mostly going on feel and power. I didn't have a heart rate strap on. So I focused on my power going out and then my cadence and power coming back as well as my feel. Um, So going out, I kind of was like at the higher end of what my typical 70.3 pace was. And then coming back into the wind, I was kind of at the lower end of my 70.3 pace. And I just focused on um, mostly the cadence at that point not even necessarily the power, but the cadence and just how I felt. Like I could feel that if I tried to hit the same watts I was hitting going out, I could feel that that I wasn't going to be able to sustain that for the rest of the for the twenty five miles. So I knew I had to just like stick in with what I was capable of, and that meant I was getting passed
2: mm. a
1: lot. <laughs> I was like, "What is mm. going on?" Yeah,
2: I know how that <laughs> feels. Um, and I do want I know people are like what they're already talking about the bike so we'll talk about the swim for sure but I want to just go to beach and kind of give you that same question swimming in the ocean or I know there's some rumors around our house that you had kind of a restless night of sleep the night before so what were you doing with your mind to keep yourself like in the game even before the gun went off
0: yes so it was going to be overcast we looked at the weather so it was going to be overcast that morning so the sun wasn't going to be shining, and I had this thought as I was already in bed for the night about the, this pair of clear goggles that I had purchased from Amazon as in preparation, right? Okay, so I've checked the box. I've done my due diligence just in case there's no sun. I've got a p- pair of clear goggles. Let me go check them out. So I went downstairs, and I think we were in bed for 15 minutes. Went in the bathroom, and I took off the stickers, and I put them on, and I'm like, this is so blurry. Like I can't see very well. And I'm like uh, trying to see if there were stickers inside the goggles for some reason. It's the same pair, the Speedo Vanquishers. Um, and then I looked at the, uh, at the packaging and it said optical um, two times. So it definitely had some sort of prescription on it. So everything was blurry for me, who I don't really have eyeglasses to wear. Um, so then I continued to go to bed and tell you that. I probably woke you up. Um, and was laying there asleep or semi asleep and just worked through the thoughts of uh, how is it going to be in an overcast swim with uh, a smoke lens, which is what I uh, train and race in most often. And I've done it before, but it's the mind creating doubt and fear that you didn't do something right or that you're not going to be at your best in those conditions stack that upon, not that I really looked at any predictions, but stack that upon an ocean start, which in Oceanside, as well as anywhere, I'm I'm assuming you do a beach start, there can be surf. And so how are you going to get through the surf? And I've had my challenges getting uh, through the break. So I was working through all of that. And uh, it would have been easy for me to maybe pop on the phone, you know, and and watch something to occupy my time or listen to some music or do something that would move me away from having to work through these thoughts. But instead, this this is the preparation work, I think, that Russell's asking about or Corey's asking about is uh, is to work through that. This is the work. So I spent the night restlessly tossing and turning, working through every thought that would come up. And so when the thought would come up, oh, you should have gotten the glasses, a different pair. You know, you're moving too quickly. You need to slow down. I quickly shifted to a mantra. And Daniel was touching upon that early on about training the mind. So in meditation, you use mantra, you use uh uh, shifting of awareness to your breath, something that's happening now. You do the chakra clearing. So I went through rounds and rounds of all of that throughout the night. Um, and the mantra, yeah, the mantra was just uh, be here now. Just be here now. Be here now. And it was over and over again. And the thoughts would come back like, oh, you, you know, these waves are going to be huge. Okay, be here now. Be here now. Be here now. Because it wasn't true. There's, there, It wasn't even... We're not even lined up to jump into the water and then we're having these thoughts about the possibility of big waves. So you can get yourself all worked up on this or you can take back your power and find calm by easing the mind with a shift in focus on something that's happening right now and not indulging in every single thought. So it was a restless night. And let me just say, every, most often the night before race, it's gonna be restless. So I'm already, you know, banking on that. So I get plenty of sleep in the days leading up, good quality sleep. So it wasn't, that never touched my mind that I would not get enough sleep. It was like, what kind of indulgence am I really focusing on and how can I not let it expand any further than than it has?
1: We spend so much energy on things that we can't control. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, a lot of it has to do with experience too, just the more you train the mind, the more you realize all this energy going into a race, worrying about X, Y, Z, and X, Y, Z doesn't even pan out 90% of the time. So yeah, it's just energy that is just wasted.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what you guys are talking about is being able to put your focus on what you want, right? So those thoughts are unhelpful. Like the thought about like the wind's going to take you down or it's going to ruin your race. It's unhelpful it's unhelpful. So training your mind, not just starting that at the race, but training your mind every day to put your focus on the breath, on a mantra, on something, you know, it could be a body scan, it could be anything other than your thought life creates this gap that's just gold. It's, it's absolute freedom. So then you'll, you're able to see your thoughts, as opposed to just being wrapped up in the thoughts. And when you can see the thoughts, you can choose which ones you're going to indulge and which ones you're not going to indulge, and you can shift your focus. And that, I think, is, I mean, I i wish for a world where every athlete has um, dedicated time to, to develop that skill because it's, it's freedom, not just on race day, but it's freedom in your life. Okay, so Corey's got a second question. What in, yeah, for both of you guys, what part of your routine or training do you think helped most with racing a good race to qualify you both for worlds? Daniel, why don't you start? Like, what's the, mo, like, what's the, what part of the routine do you think is
1: the really helped
2: you? The, the mind. Training the mind. I mean, that. Correct answer.
1: <laughs> that 100% is what got me through that run. Because there's a lot of chatter in the mind that I just, you know, wanted me to back off and be more comfortable or walk through the eight stations or just walk over the, you know, the overpass. it just without the mind training and distracting the mind and going to a mantra. Yeah, that would have derailed my race for sure.
2: What was your mantra on the run?
1: Um, I didn't have a single one this time that I, I, I just... Most of it was just counting mm. the mile I was on. <laughs> so, <laughs> or how many miles I had left, actually. So it was like, yeah, I was, you know, seven miles left. I just, seven, 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 until I got to that next one. It was six, 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 <laughs> six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what
2: about you, Beach? What was uh, the. Part of your routine that really set you up to have this world champs type of race
0: I think it was uh, two two parts, one, in a continuation of that story about me having a restless night that was that actually was the race was that night working through the the mental reps of coming back to presence and shifting away from that because once I got to the swim, it was game, it was go time like there was no hesitation, there was no you know, doubt or fear, you know, I had waves to work through and I knew that I would get through them. And then for some reason, not for some reason, I know why, because I did the work the night before, but that swim just, there was never a point that I was hesitant or doubtful um, or scared or uh, resistant. Um, You know, the current was strong. I was swimming in packs of people. There was this one One swimmer who really just gave me a big hook, like she must have been swimming out to the side. Maybe she was doing the butterfly, and she came around and grabbed my neck and like pulled me in. Was her stroke? And luckily, it just slipped over my head uh, eventually, and my goggles didn't come off. But I just, I took control of that situation. It wasn't getting angry or trying to see what the number was on her cap. It was. It was what could I do, and what I could do was just get away from her, like move in the move around. I can just shift. I can take three quick strokes, and now I'm on a different, I'm on a different path. So that really, that really set the tone on the swim, and, and I'm super proud of that swim for for me personally to to battle through that um, and come out the other side. And then the second thing was, I got to that run. Even though on the bike, um, I had some doubts on the bike; it wasn't going that well. I knew that um, uh, I needed to, to, to get after this run. And to, to Corey's question, I had been training on this run course. I have done efforts on this run course. I have run hard up the hills on this run course. I have done the physical reps to have the experience of being on the run and running at that pace. And then the mind loves that. The mind just like craves that. It's like, okay, you've done the work. So why on race day would you back off or hold yourself less than what you've done um, in training? So I just really relied and believed and was confident that, uh, that it would all be taken care of. if I just I hammered the first mile faster than I wanted to, but I just held on. I was okay with whatever, whatever would come. Um, at the end. So I think that, uh, the training of the mind and, in believing in yourself, uh, is absolutely, uh, gold here.
2: Nice. I love that. Yeah. I love that when, when the mind like, and, and that's, you know, so our egos carry that self will, like the ego carries that part of us that's like, yeah, get to the finish line. Like, yeah, it's on like, and so it's so fun to let that part of us out, under our control on race day, right? Like it can, we can really. The ego can be such a such an amazing teammate. So you know, we can do away with that idea that it's the the enemy. Um, it's not because you can train it, and it can be the best teammate. And I mean, that you could ever have. It's it's just amazing. You can do anything with that thing as long as you tame it. Um, Daniel, a, oh, go ahead. I, was say,
1: I had a similar situation in the swim. Oh, I, was I got ask
2: you about the swim. Perfect. I
1: got whacked like fisted in the swim. And I've never had that before. Um, and this was, like, the most spread out um, swim I've ever done. Like, normally I'm, like, stuck in these packs and, like, more, you know, bodies are hitting each other, but I've never been whacked in the in the head. So this time was I was whacked in the head. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and that can completely derail some, some people's race. They just, like, from that point forward, it's like, um, it just... They can't get past that. So, yeah, in similar, I was just like, okay, it is what it is. And I just like got away from that person. So, yeah, but the swim, this was the first time I've ever jumped off a pier to start a swim. So that was interesting. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I had a great swim. I mean, it felt great the entire time. And like I said, it just like, There didn't seem to be a lot of people around me. There wasn't a lot of body jostling other than the whack in the head. Yeah.
2: And you had a PR in the swim, right? Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. You know what? You touched upon something, so I want to dive into Jamie's question about going hard enough. Okay. Biggest question. Am I pushing hard enough, or how do you know how hard to push? So this is so common, right? Like, he doesn't feel like he suffers enough and then, you know, can get disappointed. But perhaps when he's out there, he's like, okay, I'm going as hard as I can go. But then, you know, maybe a little bit of backlash a couple days later, like you didn't go hard enough. So, in, and this is so common. I mean, I've experienced this. I'd be surprised if either of you have not experienced this. So how do you know when you're going hard enough?
0: So I have plenty of practice with this and have plenty of conversations with, um, with you after races early on, you would say like, how's the race going? I'd be like, oh, I think I still had a little bit more. I think I had, and, and you would always say like, well, then go hard, go harder. Like it's pretty, it's pretty clear cut, like go harder. But I want to, I want to also say like the mind is, is super forgetful. Um, <laughs> and as we're, as we're, pushing ourselves as much as we can in the moment as soon as we find that relief by crossing the finish line and then have a few hours to rehash it where we start to we start to forget the effort that we were putting out there and we say oh well it doesn't match up with the time that I was doing in training so I probably didn't go hard enough I feel like there's something more and so that's a key element we forget we forget so quickly the the pain and suffering that we were in uh, during that during that race. So, you know, this is why presence is is powerful because when we are confident that we can we can clear our minds of the chaos and come into the the present moment that we're in suffering, then we're fully engaging in that moment. We're one hundred percent available to push ourselves. Then we finish the race and we have the ego get in there because now we have the time we have, we're talking to other people who have finished and we're like, ah, actually I feel pretty good. Maybe I didn't go hard enough. That's what I've experienced most often. And that's what I've seen as a coach uh, in my, in, in the past years. So a beautiful way to, to do that, uh, it's a beautiful way to, to test to see how hard you're going is to, is to go, um, is to go for it. Exactly what I did. You know, I ran the first mile at six 50 or 640, which is way faster than, uh, than I should have, I guess, in my plan. Um, but I was okay with what was going to happen. At that point, I was all vested in this run. I was, I was fully committed to holding 650 to 715 mile per mile for the entire, that was my goal. I was going to hang in that as, as much as I could. Um, and be willing to suffer um, whatever it would be at the end of the run. But I knew this is this is this is where I knew I was going hard enough because I have practiced consistently in my training moments where it doesn't matter if it's in the actual workout or actually getting myself out the door to do a hard workout. I'm there, actively in that decision process to say, like, okay, I'm, I'm engaging right now. What what's going on here? Am I giving myself the opportunity to train, or am I selling myself short and I'm gonna, you know, back off or skip the workout or or reduce the duration of it? So, you know, I think you really have to go out and continually have experiences. So for Jamie's question, go out and race and go for it. Like, put yourself out there. Um, be willing. Be willing to learn you know most of us would say fail but i think be willing to learn more about yourself where's your breaking point is it at mile eight or nine is it is it when you get off the bike and you're running that first mile and you already begin to have doubt that you're not going to be able to hold the pace so where is it in the race experience that you're really butting up against resistance and i think that's that's a beautiful place to start exploring um truly if you're going hard enough
1: yeah i think it I think it goes back to the mindset and experience, you know, because when you're, when you're in the race and you feel that you're suffering enough or you're, you know, you're suffering as hard as you can suffer, is that, is that the physical or is that the mental? So a lot of times the body can go a lot farther and harder, but it's the mind holding the body back. So, you know, it goes to that mindset In the experience, like BJ saying, go out and have an experience. You know, if you don't feel that you're you're racing to your potential, then you know, go out there and leave it on the line. See how far you can get before you blow up.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've um I've said this a couple times over the years on the podcast, but I remember Nicole DeBoom back in the day. Mm She was still a pro at the time, and we were in Boulder, and you had this dream of going to Kona, and I just remember her saying to you, like, you have to be willing to blow up. You have to be willing to blow up. And, um, and I think that's what it is, right? And, and if we blow up, what is really happening there? It's just our pride. It's just the, the pride that, you know, that ego will come back and be like, you know, you weren't strong enough. It, and you're always going to have that backlash because that's what it does. The ego comes in the front door and goes, you're going hard enough. And then it comes in the back door a couple hours later after you get the vegan burrito in and you're in your sweaties and it goes, you didn't go hard enough. So to Daniel's point, yeah, training that mind and really getting to know what is true and what is not true is huge. And so that's how I've combated the ego over the years is I just say, that's not true. And it's- like, that's not true. I was going as hard as I could in that moment.
1: And it's the feeling, and that's why we train a lot by the feeling, you know because training your the how you feel is gonna you're gonna understand like I knew on that bike if I pushed harder if i if I pushed the watts any harder, I was gonna blow up because I've done it in training i've I felt what it felt like in training, so it's just yeah, mindset, experience, the feeling, knowing you know, knowing
0: knowing your body.
2: Yeah, experience is huge, huge,
0: and let's just say consistent training too. Like you, you're you're stacking workout upon workout upon building confidence, building the feel. But you got to have you got to have these reps, rep after rep after rep. So if you're selling yourself short in training sessions in workouts, you know, if you're only doing sixty percent of the training or you know, of course, there's going to be doubt that creeps in. Of course, you haven't done the reps. We, but when you do the reps, and I, I, I'll talk about mental reps, like if you're, if you're meditating, I'm getting really passionate here. If you are doing the mental reps every single day, then you're, you'll absolutely build relia- reliability and confidence and belief in what you're doing is exactly what you need to be doing in that moment. And it's that trust. You're building the trust. But if the mind is not sound, if the, not sound, but if the mind is indulging in stuff, you're, you're agreeing if it's unsound. Um, if it's indulging in all of this, of course, when the opportunity arises in a race and there's uh, you know, the cracked window there of doubt, it's going to indulge in the doubt. This is why you have to build that strong, strong mindset. It's, it must happen. Mm-hmm. And this is why. This is why we race like this. This is why Daniel qualified mm-hmm. and I qualified. And mm-hmm.
1: it goes back to Corey's question. It's like, I mean, part. Of, you know, it's it's not just the mantra while you're in when you're in the suffer. It's it's pulling on your training. So when you have, you know. 10 800s or whatever, and you're like, I can't even do two. How am I gonna do ten? And you you pull on that when you're on number eight and number nine and number ten. It's like you can pull on that while you're in that race and go, I've done something harder than this before.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you how many times like over the years that meditator Bob has said to us, like, you know, as we re as we talk about races with him or, you know, going into races or maybe just being with family, he, you know, he'll just say like, the mind's not strong enough. It's just not strong enough yet. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's just not strong enough. Like keep every day, keep going better and better every day in every way. Like just keep, keep being disciplined, keep training the mind. It'll get strong enough. You'll be fine. So kind of what you were saying at the beginning, like releasing that timeline, doing the work, it'll get strong enough. Like you'll know. But yeah, you got to be willing to blow up and then go out and race a lot. Race a lot. Racing a lot is a good way to do it.
0: I gained a lot of experience that 2000 and oh, here we go glory days. Glory days. 2012, I did all Olympics. I must have done like eight or 10 Olympic distance triathlons. That's all I raced. And I, or maybe a sprint or two in there too. It was extreme. Um, extreme condition, like effort, but I got so much experience of going hard on a, on a 10 K off a hard bike. Yeah. Mm,
2: That's good. All right. Um, I love this question from Bobby about T1 and T2. We don't really get questions about this before, right? So he says, focus is always on swim bike run, but transition is free speed. Is there anything special there? Like how do you guys navigate your, your transitions?
1: Transitions are my biggest stressor. <laughs> and I think I text BJ the day before. I was like, just get me to that run because I'm so stressed about transitions. Because <laughs> it's it's totally free. It's free time. And it can make or break a, a world slot. In my case, it would have broke my world slot because it was 42 seconds that I had a cushion on for the, the next person. So, yeah. Um, I think it had... Practice, obviously, practicing your transitions, but also visualizing your transitions. So like, you know, prior to race and during race, like so when you're in the swim, start visualizing what you're gonna do as you get out of the water, when when you're gonna pull your wetsuit off, what you're gonna put on first, you're gonna put your helmet on first, shoes on first, you know, do you wear socks, what? So kind of ha- know what you're gonna do and the order you're gonna do it in. Um I typically, in 70.3s where they're the old school style where you can put all your equipment below your bike, I usually have a pink towel so I can find my bike as fast as possible. I left it in the hotel, so (laughs) I had no towel. Um, But that's that's another point is when you drop your bike off, like walk around the entire transition area. Know where the bike in is. Bike out is, run out, run in, etc. Know like how transition's gonna work. Um, and then find a landmark. Like I was lucky enough, my rack, I was only two in, and then I had a, a light post, like right. So it was like, okay, I know that. Um so even without the towel, I was able to find my bike as fast as possible. Um and then I did something different with this race, what I've never done before on T2 was I actually went in the back side of my aisle because um, I typically have a hard time getting my bike in because it's too tall for the racks. So that way I can go in the back side and just throw it on the front side of the nose of the seat. Um, so without the towel, that required me to like think about my number because I wasn't going to be able to see my number. So I was like, well, what number's next to me? <laughs> so <laughs> So coming in off the bike, it was like, okay... I, I had to look at my wristband three times to remember my number. I'm like, okay, I'm 146, so I'm gonna look for 147 uh, so I could throw my bike. So, yeah, um, I think that's, yeah, but I totally stress about transitions.
2: So, you had a, a T1 was four minutes, one second. And T2 was one minute, seven yeah. seconds.
1: And I thought my T1 was much longer. I had major cramping in my hips and couldn't get my socks on. Mm. So Pretty I good. Thought, and I almost was like, should I just go without socks? But I've never ridden these shoes without socks. And I'm like, that's not going to be good.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty good, though. What do you think of those times, Coach? Uh,
0: super fast. Anything around one minute uh, is super fast. I don't care how... How long the transition is, or short it is—that's smoking.
1: I still think my T two, I could cut some time off because I've always been fascinated by the pros when they come into a T two, and it's like they grab their stuff and they're putting it on as they're running, mm-hmm. and it's like I can't get that down yet. It's like okay, I gotta like I can't juggle things because then it's like I drop things, so I gotta put like one thing on at a time. So definitely some some time I could cut there.
0: My transitions yeah, I love transitions, and I just want to say, I'm always practicing transitions, and I know Daniel has taken it to a new level, but most often when I'm changing shoes, I'm standing on one foot, putting on the sock. I, so I'm practicing putting on my shoes all the time. Is this something as if I am in transition? but I did see Daniel using that Moby board, board. Yeah, yeah, the balance board trying to do the same, not trying successfully doing the same thing. So he's practicing transitions, even maybe he was purposely doing it or, or maybe not, but he, you're practicing what you're going to do on race day. So where, where's the balance there? Like, how can you, how can you strengthen, um, standing on one foot so you can, because, because the, the secret in transition is to get that sock on and then put your shoe over your foot and then put your foot down on the ground. The one that's up in the air so that you can get that final snugness of the shoe, uh, of your heel back into the shoe, um, but yeah, I think I, I practice that all the time. I love transitions; it's totally free time. Um, I think uh, I'm getting better and better at running from swim exit to transition, like really, just like putting it down, um, running barefoot as fast as I can, because uh, most people kind of like back off and you know take a little bit of an easier. Easier effort is what I've been discovering, but I just like to blaze through, get to transition as quickly as possible and out on the bike. And I think a key to transition is that don't overcomplicate it. So this is how the pros do it. They have they have their stuff right there. They're not thinking, well, what if I need this pair of sunglasses or what if I need this gel? Everything is like, this is it. This is all I have. Limited stuff, get it, grab it, and get out. Um, so keep it really simple.
2: Yeah, I like that. Keep it simple. So landmarks, um sprinting in from the swim. Like, I think that's so true. Like, people are like, oh, exhausted, right? Like, they probably don't have the swim fitness. A lot of people don't have swim fitness because there's some kind of weird resistant energy around swimming for a lot of triathletes, right? Can't get to the pool, blah, 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 whatever. Um, And so they don't have swim fitness. And so uh, who was it? Lisa Roberts we had on the show that was like, maybe not a super strong swimmer when it came to the pro field, but her coach was like, we're going to get you so swim fit that that swim's not going to take anything out of you kind of thing. So you're able to sprint in from the swim exit. I like that. And then what was the last thing? Putting your Practicing putting your shoes on. Um, you said, well, oh, and keeping it simple. Yeah, these are great tips. So your transitions were four. Daniel blew you away with transition.
0: Woo-hoo. We weren't at the, we we weren't were at the, the same s- race. I like that. Celebrate, Daniel.
2: 4.16 no, awesome, and 4.17.
1: Mm-hmm. But I've done Oceanside, and the swim T1 is shorter run than... Texas T one.
2: <laughs> I feel like that's a long T two for you. Could be,
1: could be. What was your T two? Four seventeen. Oh wow.
2: <laughs> Says the girl that had an eighteen minute one once. That was very much on purpose though. Okay. Um,
0: oh, I peed. Oh. H- half.
2: Not in your pants.
0: Half in my pants. Half in the portagen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it could. So it could have been, been doubly. Could have been doubly as long.
0: Indecisive. <laughs> too. <laughs> Half
2: in my pants. Okay. So we got... Um, oh, I know what I want to touch upon because uh, we have a question on nutrition. Just Can you both just give a rundown of your nutrition and, and how that went for you? What were you using and do you have any issues?
1: Just during the race? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Race morning, I had my typical oatmeal uh, with banana. Didn't have flaxseed because I was in a different area. (laughs) Um, And then I made a smoothie that I took um, that morning, and then I made a second smoothie that I put in my um, morning clothes bag for after. Um, So race... For the race, let's see, what did I do? So I drank, I had a bottle of um, hydration from ATAC um, that I sipped on all morning. And then I took a gel, a Martin gel, which they have on course for Ironman. So I used those, um, I think, 15 minutes before the swim. And then... The bike, I use um, flow nutrition or flow formulas. So I did two bottles with uh, 360 calories with the plan of each bottle would be about an hour and a half and then I grabbed water at each age station to supplement. And then I took, um, so it was about 240 calories an hour plus I took a gel, so I took another gel Let's see, so 15 minutes before the swim and then I took another gel um, an hour into the bike and then I took another gel uh, about 15 minutes before I got off the bike. Mm-hmm. And then the run, um, I switched completely just to Coke. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I did have, sorry, I did have goo blocks. So I had one sleeve of goo blocks that I um, took four four cubes, four miles in. So each loop at Texas is about f- a little over four miles. It's a three-loop course. So I took um, four cubes at the four-mile mark, and I took two cubes at the eight-mile mark, and then I think like it must have been like mile 11 that I took the rest of the cubes. Um, and then other than that, every single aid station, I took a sip of Coke, and then... I had some sips of water here and there, but most of it went on my head. <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> um, so I had my pre-race uh, applesauce scoop of protein powder and a half banana, or a full banana, uh, three, three and a half hours before the race start. A nice, uh, whole full 24-ounce bottle of Roctane, Goo Roctane, which is 250 calories. And then uh, nothing really until transition about an hour before I had half a banana. And then 10 minutes to 15 minutes before the swim, same thing as Daniel, I had a goo uh, lemon flavored gel because it has no caffeine with some water. And then um, on the bike, I had two two 24 ounce water bottles with goo roctane in it, grape flavor. That's 500 calories right there. And it was really overcast. So I really wasn't like I wasn't thirsty. and, And that's something you should be you know, uh, awake to, um, cause it can come back and bite you. Cause you're still sweating and, and, and burning calories. I did take in some salt, some base salt, took some licks every now and then. Uh, and that was it for the bike. And then off the bike, I ran with, um, a gel, uh, a gel soft flask, which had three goo, um, salted watermelon, which is my, whew, I love that. And I filled up the rest of it with water. So I had t- probably two of those, two gels on the run. And then around mile six, I too indulged in the Pepsi because it wasn't cola at Oceanside, it was Pepsi. Uh, and then that Pepsi just took me through. Oh, plus I had an ibuprofen, two ibuprofens with uh, about 45 minutes left in the bike. And I think that was it for nutrition for me. I felt really good, really engaged and, and topped off. Um, if I had to do it differently, I probably would have started Cola sooner. Cola really works for me. it's proven proven re- to, to help me run really fast.
2: Awesome. All right. Yeah. One more question from Russell. Russell had asked about nutrition as well as, long, as well as uh, some other people. But I love this question, too. He wants to hear about the approach to recovery after an endurance event. Do you do anything specific directly after the next day, the following week? So what do you guys do? What's your philosophy on recovery?
0: So I, uh, I love this um, for so many reasons, um, and I think let's just focus on one momentum, just to keep momentum moving moving forward. Um, so immediately after a race, I can 't help myself. I, I just like to walk around. I guess this is where part of my dad comes in um, to my to my life, where I just like to engage with people and and hear about their experiences and so I'm always walking around, and it takes me a while to change out of my kit actually, because uh, I like to just. Um, to be down there at the race site. So I'm walking immediately after the race. I'm walking a lot. I would have said at Oceanside, I probably walked three, four, five miles after the race, just walking around. And then um, immediately the next day, I'm absolutely in the water. For sure swimming and uh, most likely doing some sort of bike, maybe like an hour easy bike. And that just really, since I've been doing that, I would say, I don't know, eight, nine years I've been doing that it just really jump starts that recovery process. You don't get into like you know sitting too long, you don't get the 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 niggles, the things that really like tend to fester, like they just like build up. So, I'll do that and then usually 2 days after the race, I'm feeling DOMS. That's when stuff settles in, but it's getting less and less as I lead this plant-based anti-inflammatory lifestyle. Um, and then I'll just continue that for the, for the following week, swim almost every day, bike almost every day, and then walk a lot, walk a ton. And then of course, yoga, um, Monday morning we did yoga. This Sunday I did a little yoga flow too. Uh, the race was actually Saturday. So that's the protocol I, I stand by. And I'll actually sometimes fast a little bit after the race, uh, for me, um, uh, I'll take in water or a banana, but, but mostly I'll hold off on that meal because I just don't feel like I'm ready to eat anything. And I've heard that from other athletes too, but whatever I have, I think I had a smoothie bowl that night. I'll fast the next day. I think I fasted for 10 or 12 hours and not starving myself, but just letting the inflammation work itself, um, out of the body, meaning letting the body do what it needs to do and not, overloading it with trying to break down food but that's my that's what works well for me um, and I, I strongly encourage athletes to get up and move the next day if they can and preferably in the pool um, because it's low impact the compression of the pool and the coolness of the water of the pool all are going to aid in your uh, a faster recovery yeah I mean a lot of that I did oh, but
1: it's what is ideal and what, what you could do depending on your, your situation um, is, you know, like typically, yeah, I would love to get in the pool the next day, um, but didn't have that luxury this time. I had to get on a flight at 6 a.m. the next morning <laughs> um, and oh man, my hip was pain for it. Um, but yeah, immediately after, I typically try to get food in as fast as possible Um, And like I mentioned before, I had made a smoothie um, and put it in my morning clothes bag. Um, I really didn't care if it was going to be warm or hot at that point. I was like, um, I knew being plant-based, they probably weren't going to have much options at the food tent, um, which Ironman has been getting better about, but um, this one was not. All they had was pizza and Frito chips. So, (laughs) I'm so glad I had that smoothie. So, um, I had the smoothie, um, I had a couple San Diego Bar Company um, little bars, but um, I was able to um, grab my bike and run back to the condo anyways, so then I ended up um, eating a couple black bean burgers, um, showered, and then I went back down to cheer on and then wait for the for the awards. So, um, yeah, food's my number one priority afterwards. Um, And then two, yeah, just continue to move the body as much as possible. I mean, not rigorous, just move the body, Mm -hmm. like walking, yoga. So I think the next day I did do some yoga after I got off the plane and then a short bike the the second day after. Um, But as soon as you could get in the water, getting in the water, for all those reasons BJ mentioned, it's just... Even if you don't swim, you just float. It's so good for the body. Um, So, yeah, that's, and just, yeah, just do a little bit, just like we talk about all the time, a little bit over a long period of time. Just continue to move just a little bit and let that inflammation come down and then pick it back up where you left off.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I would encourage people to do away with the idea that you deserve to do nothing, um, because there's nothing good about that for your body. Keep the body moving: walking, gentle yoga. If you're on the team, um, you probably get our mellow moves, yoga that I do, just 30 minute yoga for our team. Um, also, we have that on pa- put that up on Patreon as well. Um, swimming, swimming is so good, and you got to use your will. You got to use your will to get your. But moving because you're not necessarily going to feel like it. But as you develop that habit, you'll begin to crave it because you know how good it is for you. So, yeah, we're big on active recovery for sure. Um, all right, boys, switching gears, what's next? You're doing something totally different, and then you're doing something very much the same, but double. So, what's next for you guys? You guys are doing the same races.
0: BJ's first ultra. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah, diving into the 50K. So as a team, we'll, we'll be up there at uh, Mendocino 50K. Sid's amazing uh, race that he has put on for the past six years now. All vegan. Uh, it's, it's a special place. Uh, truly truly remarkable race experience in, um, in town of Mendocino and even just the experience of driving up there. So yeah, Daniel and I and you uh, will all be up racing. <laughs> Um, That's what we have. And then we're both, uh, Daniel and I will be at Ironman uh, World Championships in St. George. That's May 7th. Um, And then I'm taking that week after St. George to rest for three or four days and then go down to Costa Rica for a five-day biking tour, which includes nine to 10,000 feet of elevation (laughs) every day. Uh it's either we're going up or we're going down.
2: I love how you're calling it a tour. <laughs> it's actually called the Pura Vita Cycling Challenge.
0: Oh, okay. But I
2: like tour. It takes the it takes the yeah, edge off tour.
0: Challenge out.
2: Yeah. How are you feeling about Mendo? Is this I know you've done like ultra dist- oh yeah, you've done you've done like have you done like an official I've ultra race?
1: One official fifty K.
2: Which one? Oh. Zion. Oh, nice. So
1: I've done Zion. Then I did my own fifty miler and then Right. 37 miles with verbi at ultraman
2: (laughs) right yeah and you've done some you've supported at extreme triathlons and yeah you've done a lot but it'll be really cool to see i love the crossover triathlon and trail running trail running to triathlon super fun um yeah so we're psyched about that and um all right one uh one word, so don't think, right? This is tapping into your intuitive self. Oh, my God, both of them are stressed out now. Um, what does it take to qualify for a world championship?
1: Be calm. Mm.
0: Commitment.
2: Yep.
1: Patience. And consistency.
0: <laughs> consistency. <laughs> it's, true. it's so... Consistency. I thought you were going to say, like, it's hard to pick one word. What What did you think I was going to ask? What's one word to describe your experience at the race um, this weekend?
2: Okay. Ask that question. You just did. I did. What is it?
0: Uh, It was special because my dad was here. Oh, yeah. My dad came out from Massachusetts and was able to to experience the race. And um, yeah, it was special to have him here. Daniel? Same, calm. Calm through the storm.
2: <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for uh, for doing this. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for sending in questions. Daniel, that was totally your contingency that sent in these like f- fabulous questions. And, um, yeah, we appreciate you guys. If there's anything that you need us to dig in more on, please make a comment. Uh, reach out to Daniel or BJ, yogi triathlete, vegan-powered athlete, Um, whatever it may be we're here to support your journey whether you're on the team or not we are a community we are brothers and sisters we are a global family and um, and we love to compete so thanks so much for being here you guys
0: thank you thank you